a sweet experience this morning listening to some audio from Abai Giri Buddhist Monastery, which is a monastery that we're affiliated with down in uh, Northern California. <clears throat> Since the time of the Buddha, really, but now in Southeast Asia and Thailand, where our tradition is uh, anchored, the summertime has been a time of retreat. So the the monasteries, uh, Thailand particularly, and, and throughout Southeast Asia, in the Theravada tradition, take this three-month period to kind of um, stay where they live. So they don't do much traveling. They're not gone for more than seven days. Um, it relates to the rainy season. So at the time of the Buddha, it was really practical to stay there. The monks were safer. Um, they weren't traveling during the monsoon season, the rainy season. Uh, they weren't having to, uh, you know, collect alms and go on what they call tudong, sort of these uh, long, you know, weeks or months long travels through the, through the, the villages and the countryside. And, you know, as the traditions have moved to the West, to England and Europe and now to the United States, um, the, the monks and nuns in our tradition have, uh, you know, found ways to harmonize with uh, Southeast Asia and Thailand, sort of the, um, uh, the roots of the tradition while also living in America. So, and in the West, so this is uh, not the monsoon season here. <laughs> in fact, this is a really good time, you know, summer uh, to go walking, to go on Tudong, to travel. It's very safe. Uh, the weather's pretty good in the, uh, in the West and the Northern hemisphere. And, um, <clears throat> So what they do here, of course, is uh, they harmonize with this summer retreat period, uh, but also have a winter <laughs> retreat period. So in the winter, when it's uh, rainy or snowy or you know hard to uh, get around, um, they also have a, another retreat period. But traditionally, at the end. Uh, what they call the Vasa in the summer. Uh, there's this uh, lovely tradition of allowing or forcing, <laughs> depending on the perspective, uh, all of the, the, the most junior ordained monastics to give a Dhamma talk. <laughs> so on the last day of uh, the Vasa, they all sit, you know, in the Dhamma hall together and the most junior, what they call uh, in our tradition, Anagarika. So a monk that is just, just ordained as in white is um, living at the monastery, hasn't taken on all the rules yet, um, all the way, all the way up. And so uh, I was listening to these Dhamma talks this morning. 
and is enjoying it so much. And the first uh, fellow was an Anagarka. He had been ordained. Uh, he had been in white for maybe six months. You know, so you have your, your fellow over here who's been ordained for six months. And then you have in the same room, one for Pasano who's been ordained for going on 50 years. You know, so there's a real breadth <laughs> of experience in this room. But it's not one horse turn to talk on the, the day the Vasa ends. It's, uh, it's the most junior monks. And uh, so this, this fellow, uh, Anagarika Justin, has 10 minutes out, 10 minutes. And his talk was a, was a very stream of consciousness. <laughs> he was very, you know, I could, this is speculation, but he sounded kind of nervous. Um, he was talking about, you know, how he has pretty deep-seated fears but also, uh, particularly of public speaking, but also <laughs> felt very safe. You know, there's a huge amount of safety in this room because of the depth and breadth of practice. And uh, he kind of talked and, you know, I backed away from the mic and kind of, I wasn't watching and I could just hear it rolled back toward the mic. Uh, dropped out, and then uh, at one point gave a time check. <laughs> oh, I have, okay, four more minutes. <laughs> four more minutes, which means they've been talking for six minutes. <laughs> four more minutes. And then after the time check, he uh, mentioned that the first time he had ever seen a Buddhist monk was uh, in the movie Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> and that's what the room did. <laughs> <laughs> and then it sort of went on from there. <laughs> uh, and I was beaming, you know, through this whole talk because it was almost incomprehensible, <laughs> but also completely sincere, you know, coming from a place of absolute practice and learning. Um, you know, he was first in line, his last in line, you know, in terms of his, you know, sort of rank and stature, and first in line for the Dhamma talk uh, because of that same, uh, that same rank and stature. And, and then he, um, you know, at the end, it was 10 minutes. He was, okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. And then it went on from there. I listened to it few, maybe four or five or something like that. And, you know, as you got into monks who are now in, out of Anagarika, out of white, into robes, uh, the talks got a little more comprehensive and uh, settled and uh, sort of um, hinged on a topic. You know, there, was, <laughs> there was a topic. Uh, but uh, each one was uh, very much rooted in practice. These are folks who are learning from everything around them. They're learning from everything they see, from everyone they come in contact with. Uh, they've chosen to live with really wise teachers. Um, uh, 
the I think it was the first fellow Anagarika, Justin, said something like, um, you know, a, a lot, a lot is expected of me. You know, they, they work hard <laughs> at the monastery. They, it's not an easy job being the youngest uh, or the, the, the monk with the least rank and stature. Uh, he said, you know, a lot of it ex is expected of me, but um, I'm also expected to make a lot of mistakes. I'm expected to make a lot of mistakes. And that just was such a, such an astute reflection, you know, and also I could, I could understand when he said that I could feel that feeling of safety, you know, that he's living in a place, he's living a life, he is engaged in a practice where in his position, where he's at right now, he's expected to make a lot of mistakes. <clears throat> And in this tradition, in this practice in Buddhism, um, we're expected to make a lot of mistakes and we're expected to be interested in learning from them. That's the difference. We're expected to be interested in learning from them. You know, my kids <clears throat> make a lot of mistakes. You know, everybody does, right? But when you raise little kids, you. And it's like, they're just mistake factories. <laughs> it just goes and goes and goes. And they learn from them, you know, just naturally. You touch something hot, it burns you. Oh, okay, I get that. You know, there's no like, your brain isn't working that out consciously. It's very like uh, visceral, you know. Uh, but they don't especially want to learn from their mistakes. They're especially interested in that. That isn't like the underpinning of their experience. So I hope I make a lot of mistakes because I've got a lot of learning to do. You know, you don't see that in a two-year-old. You don't see that in a 13-year-old. <laughs> but you do see it in uh, people who have developed a certain amount of emotional maturity. You know, just actually loving to learn and loving to learn from our own mistakes, loving to um, be engaged in a community where those mistakes are expected and they're held and, you know, hanging out with the wise people who can help you see it if that's what you want, you know, who can hold the space if, <clears throat> if that's what's needed. I would uh, joke with my, you know, sort of non-Buddhist friends that um, I really learned quite well from humiliation. <laughs> and it always landed flat because humiliation has is not has a pretty ugly connotation <laughs> in the Western experience. And nobody wants to be humiliated. And you know, frankly, we can't actually learn when we're being shamed or humiliated, right? It's just the brain doesn't work like that. Um, but what you know, what I was saying, what I was kind of referring to is my experience in this community and this tradition and this lineage is really just making mistakes 
right out loud, <laughs> right in front of people. <laughs> and being open to feedback, being open to correction, uh, being open to hearing how it might have gone better. You know, in fact, like asking people, hey, you know, what'd you think of that? <laughs> How'd that go? Because <laughs> you want to ask the right people. <laughs> but if other people have opinions, you know, you can learn from that <laughs> too. And that's what I mean, you know, when I'm joking with my Western or with my, you know, regular, regular friends <laughs> uh, that I learned really well from humiliation. And it's just this expansiveness around uh, being willing to make mistakes because I really am hungry to learn, you know, to do better. Um, I remember some of you have probably heard this story, but uh, long, long person over here is one of my teachers. And, uh, you know, he comes here like once a year, twice a year. He's very well respected. He's the big cheese. I'm being recorded, aren't I? He's a very well-respected, <laughs> venerable monk <laughs> uh, in our lineage. Um, and so one time at, at the old center in Selwood, we had all these monks here, and he had brought um, all these really um, venerated monks from Thailand. There were all these people sitting up here. Um, they didn't speak the language. He, he was uh, kind of hosting them. And he's not usually in that position of hosting them. You know, he is hosted. Uh, so it was, quite a, it was quite a do. And I was uh, in charge of some bits and pieces of this do, <laughs> mostly getting them tea and making sure they're comfortable and, you know, welcoming people into the center. And um, why I made, a, I made a lot of mistakes that day, but I was open to learning, like um, one of the things I did right away was that, uh, you know, I welcomed everybody and then I asked the monks to introduce themselves. <laughs> yeah, just say your name and <laughs> blah, 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 uh, which is normal, right? Like if you go to a panel discussion at the Hilton, like people are gonna, people are gonna say their name, <laughs> where they came from, what their experience is, but maybe not a Thai monk who's been doing it for 70 years. You know, that's kind of a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe different. Like there's cultural differences that I wasn't aware of. And I didn't pass and I was just like, we don't do that. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like you're telling me and these hundred people <laughs> that we don't do that. It's fine, not a big deal. No, I'm learning. And then a, a little bit later, uh, I had brought them sort of this our tradition, you know, tea and all this and to make sure everybody's hydrated. And I, I brought one of these big uh, carafts of hot water up to the stage and I put it down next to Longford. And uh, he was like, and I'm watching, so you have to watch. You know, sometimes nobody's going to say anything to you. You really have to watch if you want to learn. You have to find your models and watch what they do. So he's got this carafe of hot water and he's like, he's got it in front of him and he's like poking it and kind of, you know, top, top. Like, is this thing on? He's like looking inside it. And, and I realized that uh, I forgotten to put the straw thing in there that actually brings the water out of the carafe. 
into the, the cup. And I, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm in the back of the room. Oh, I think I forgot the straw. <laughs> and he goes, who forgot the straw? It's like, okay, who forgot the straw? You know, just, he goes me this look, like, don't forget the straw, no. And it's not a big deal. No, we're still tight. <laughs> He's still my teacher. You know, he didn't abandon me after the straw forgetting. But, <laughs> but because he knows that I want to learn. I want to learn the conventions. You know, I want to bring, uh, you know, a sense of decorum, a sense of mindfulness, a sense of dignity. I want to bring hot water that can get out of the crap, you know? No, okay. You forgot this. Okay. <laughs> you forgot this job. No, it was just kind of this very like, Jessica. And I'll never forget it because it was like, um, just someone who really cares about me letting me know. That could have been a little more beautiful. And that's what they say in this tradition a lot. Like, um, is, it, is it beautiful? You know, is what you're doing, is what you're bringing, is the attitude that you've got, is the, um, you know, maybe even the, the tray of water or the way you approach somebody, is it beautiful? Not is it right? Is it wrong? No. Is it beautiful? Is it unbeautiful? But we can take a lot of the pressure off by thinking of things in this way. You know, is it beautiful? <clears throat> There's a lot of, you know, when you're learning a new tradition, there can be that pressure to perform, to understand the etiquette, to do things right. Um, but, you know, when we move toward seeing things as, you know, how can I make this beautiful? Was that beautiful? Uh, Longport Pasano got this from his teacher, Ajahn Chah. They're like staring at me. Is it beautiful? <clears throat> and, yeah, so this is something that I try to... Um, bring to my own experience, something I try to teach my kids, something I try to model for others. Uh, but I'm just a person. <laughs> Things are really uh, unbeautiful sometimes. They're quite messy. Things go wrong. People fall down, you know. I remember... Um, when I was in college, I was walking down the street and uh, I was in this really cute dress, you know, <laughs> going somewhere fancy as one does when one is young and in college. And I was looking around, you know, sort of at all the people on the street, feeling like the center of attention. <clears throat> and uh, I walked into a parking meter. I just, <laughs> just, 
that was not beautiful. <laughs> but it was a really, it was a pre-Buddhist, Buddhist moment. Like, oh, I could be paying attention. <laughs> I could watch where I'm walking. I cannot be so concerned with this new dress. I don't need to wonder if people are looking at me. I'm just a person walking down the road. So you don't forget moments like that. You don't forget walking into a parking meter. <laughs> so, you know, I, I um, if you have time to listen to some of these Dhamma talks, you know, on the Abayagiri website, uh, they're sweet. They're beautiful. They're full of stories like this, you know, walking into your own proverbial parking meter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Buddha talked about um, the suffering, you know, experiencing the suffering that leads to more suffering and experiencing the suffering that leads to search, right? So for here, we're here, here. <laughs> Uh, we've experienced some amount of suffering that has led to a search, you know, a search for happiness, a search for compassion, a search for kindness, a search for um, what is beautiful. So it's worth, worth exploring and, uh, and checking out for ourselves. <laughs>